Oh, praise God, I got a lot of verses here. Let me just talk to you for a minute, okay? Um, have, you, have you ever had a, a situation, and, and, and this was one for me, and I've shared this before, um, a, a gentleman that I worked with at the Midfield Car Auction, he was older than Matt and myself, and um, we, we had watched him, you know, fall in love and get married, and, and then when uh, Dwayne had his first uh, baby, he was obviously, you know, out for a, a little while, and when he came back, he was just beaming. I'd never seen him like that, you know, just kind of a cut up, one of us, uh, you know, guys out there having a good time, and, and so I had a minute just to talk to him about it, and, and I said, man, what's it like being a dad? You know, I just thought that was such a cool experience, and and I never forget it because he wasn't really an emotional guy, but big old tears filled up in his eyes. And he said, Mark, he said, I never knew how much my parents loved me. And I wasn't really expecting him to say that. You know, I thought he was going to say, yeah, man, being a dad's cool. You know, so, but it, it wasn't until he had his own child that, that he had a, a greater revelation and understanding of how much his parents loved him. And I kind of filed that away in, in my heart and mind and it was some years later, probably, I don't know, seven or eight years later, um, that, no, it was longer than that, let's see, 12 years later, that Pam and I, of course, were married, and then we had Bethany, and, and, and when I, I held Bethany in my arms, I, I understood what Dwayne was saying uh, that evening, you know, that you just, you don't really understand. It's kind of like, man, you mean my parents love me like this, you know? It, it, your eyes are, are open to it in, in, in just in an amazing way. Um, and then when I held my first grandchild, Oliver, uh, I wasn't really expecting any kind of revelation or anything from that. I, mean, I was just excited. But when I held him, the first thought that came to me was he has no idea how much he's loved. Because he came into this world loved. Amen. I'm telling you, he came into this world loved. And he has no idea. And he's, he's learning. Amen. He's figuring that out. He's experiencing it. And along those same lines, and, and this, just follow me here for a moment because we're going somewhere with this. Um, have you ever been pleasantly surprised to learn of someone's love for you? Or I'm going to say this a couple of different ways. Pleasantly surprised to learn of someone's admiration for you, respect for you or appreciation for you, and um, meaning you never realized how much another person thought of you, loved you, or understood the place that you held in their hearts. And I know I may be going out on a limb here, just, just follow me with this. You know, I, I'll, here's an example for me. I, I found out some years ago that I have, I have cousins that, and I can't hardly say it without crying, that watched just about every sermon online. And I was like, are you, are you serious? I mean, I, you know, I, they live off. We don't see each other that much, you know, and, and um, ran into them, had a visit with them, and they started talking about all these sermons that they've been listening to and things that they're, and I'm just sitting there going, I had no idea. Are, can you relate to what I'm saying here? I, I'm, I mean, I could share some personal things, but, you know, there are people that were like heroes to me growing up, godly men and women that um, are older now and um, maybe aren't as mobile, you know, um, and I'm talking to you, Sister Darcy Bussey, you know, 
this lady that I had such tremendous respect for. And man, she's like right there. She's probably watching right now. If she's not watching now, she will be. And um, man, when I found that out, I'm like, are you serious? You know? And, and I know that this may be an odd way to begin tonight, but, you know, we often respond to these types of realizations by saying things like, you know, wow, I never knew you thought of me like that. I never, I never knew that I had any kind of place or, or room in your heart or in your life. Now, I said all that to say perhaps we would all be amazed beyond description if we truly understood the place that we hold in Father's heart. The thoughts the Bible says that he has towards you are only precious thoughts. That he has your name written in the palm of his hand. And you think, well, that's just an exaggeration. No, it's not. The Bible says that he numbers the hairs on your head. You know, last week was we were continuing to talk about fellowshipping with God and, and, and what that looks like on a practical basis, you know, where we include him in, in every aspect and detail of our lives. And for some folks, that may sound like such an extreme reach because, you know, God's so busy, why would he care about what pair of shoes I wear today? But he does, because this is the same God who cares about how many hairs are on top of your head, and he numbers them. It's, how do I say this? And you say, oh, Pastor Mark, you're taking this too far. No, no, no. When it says he numbers the hairs on your head, that means more than he knows how many. Are you following what I'm saying here? Like if I was to reach up and pluck one out, God, will, God would say like, oh, well, there went 9,847. Are you, that's what it means to number something. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? If you number something, then, then each one of those things has a specific number to you. That red one over there, oh, that's number seven. Well, what about the blue one over there? Oh, that's number 14. See, that's what it means to number something. So it's not just that he knows how many. Each individual one has its own number. This is, again, the place that you have in his heart. I, th I think we would all be absolutely dumbfounded by his longing for us. See, the world will tell you it doesn't even exist, and religion will tell you that he's mad at you, or at best indifferent towards you, when just the opposite of that is true. He sings over you while you sleep. That's the desire, that's the longing that he has in, in, in our heart. And that's, that, I hope I didn't go you know, too off base with what I was trying to begin with. I'm not sure all of you kind of caught you know, what I was trying to say there, but... You know, when we're surprised to know that somebody respects us that we didn't even think knew us or remembered us or cared about us, and we find out that, that this is somebody who prays for you every day and you didn't even know that they remembered your name. I don't want to go too far because there's some confidentiality here and, and that sort of thing, but I think part of what had me thinking this way is, is as many of you know, Bethany is a high school teacher. And she recently received the most beautiful handwritten letter from one of her students. And Bethany shared some of that um, 
with us. And um, I mean, you read it and, you, and you, it just so touches your heart, you know, to, to hear of just some simple things that some kindness and, you know, stuff that you wouldn't think would be that big of a deal, um, you know, to a, to, a, to a teenager. And yet you find out later that it made all the difference in the world in her life. I mean, it was life changing for her. And, and you're like, well, I, I didn't think you was listening to me, honey. I mean, I'm exactly, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm not trying to exaggerate it, but it's like, you know, I, I thought maybe you thought I was overstepping. You know, I had no idea that it had that kind of impact. And so we talk about the heart that our Heavenly Father has for us and the longing that He has for us. I don't think we will ever fully understand fellowship with God apart from understanding that desire in His heart for you and me. Amen. Remember, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I don't know how many zillions and zillions of years, because you know, God is not just without end. He's without beginning. He's the uncreated one. And, and how long He existed just with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Um, it, in other words, I don't mean this to trivialize you in any way, but He's the Creator. We're the creation. He can make it without us. Not that He wants to, but we can't make it without Him. But yet he, he longs for us. He, he created you because he desires you. I'm not going to get into all this tonight, but, but the Lord has recently carried me back to the parable of a man who had two sons. We often think of that as the prodigal son. And, and, and what we see, of course, remember the father in that story is, is representative of our heavenly father. And what we see is that neither one of his two sons understood him or what he desired from them. They both wanted him based on what he could do for them, what he could give to them. But neither one of them really wanted him. And all he wanted, the stuff and the inheritance and, you know, when the older brother's griping about, you know, I've been with you, I've done everything you've asked me to do, and you've never, and he's like, just shocked at this. He's like, son, everything I have is yours. But see, neither one of these sons understood their father's desire for fellowship. It's, it's another one of those subjects that when the Lord begins to open your eyes to the importance of it and the truth of it, it's everywhere you look in Scripture. You know, I, I was praying about this some last night. I'm like, man, I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure. And this is one of those things that if we wanted it to be, it, it, it could go on for months and months and months. There's just... A lot of in the scriptures about it clearly stated but then also implied as is the case with um, this parable of the man who had two sons now um, I skipped over a, a lot of verses tonight um, how about this one Psalm 8 and 4 what is man that you're mindful of him the son of man that you visit him you know David's asking this question he's like you know, when I consider the creation and I consider the vastness of the universe that you've made and my stature, my size compared to all these, you know, enormous things, what is it about me that interests you and that would make you want to come and visit me? When we, when we go back to, and there's a principle in understanding the scripture that's, ref that's called the law of first mention. 
the law of first mention. You won't find law of first mention anywhere in the Bible. It's something that, that I believe the Holy Spirit has revealed to people in understanding the heart and the wisdom and the nature and the character of God. But the idea behind the law of first mention is that the first time you find something mentioned in the Bible, you need to pay very, very, very close attention because it becomes the precedent. It becomes the, the, the root, if you will, for everything else that, that God speaks of moving forward from that. And one of the things that we see in the Scripture that we don't have a lot um, you know, of expansion, we don't have a, a lot of background for example, I have no idea how long Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden before they sinned. We don't, we don't have that information. Um, I believe it was a while. I believe it was some time. Now, you can disagree with that, you know. But then also what we see, and again, there's not a lot of detail about this, but they heard God coming after they sinned. They heard Him coming, and they went and hid. Well, think about that, you know. Um, Matthew used to drive a, uh, well, he still does drive a Volkswagen, but when we were growing up, he had a, it's called a Baja. It was a Volkswagen that was kind of cut for off-road, and it had a big silver pipe going out the back of it. You know what I'm talking about? And it was loud. And it was loud. And um, I could hear the sound of my big brother coming, you know. Um, I, knew, I knew it was him. I just, I could hear, you know. A lot of times we, we think in terms of hearing somebody's voice before we see them and we, okay, that, I know who that is, they're coming, you know, whatever. Um, think about how many times Father God had to come visit them in the garden for them to know it was Him when they heard the sound of His footsteps. They're like, oh, that's, there's, because there was a lot of creatures in that garden. There were a lot of things that rustled and moved and, and all this other stuff, but they heard him coming, meaning what? It's, it's another one of those, I guess you could call it this a quasi-law of first mention, because we see something very important, is that, is that God came to visit them. It's, it's the line that took Matt many months before he could sing it without crying. It's that, it's that song where they sing the line and then we repeat it. And the, and the question is, does God intend to dwell with us again? And yes, he does. Yes, he does. Spiritually now, but it's going to require a glorified body for us to be able to hug him one day. Can't hug him in this flesh. Flesh can't inherit it, right? But glorified, immortal flesh can. And he fully intends to come visit you in the cool of the evening in the days ahead. He fully intends on coming to see you at the house he built for you in heaven one day to see what you think about it. I mean, this, this is, again, fellowship, right? This is what he desires. We don't have to wait till, obviously we got to wait till we get to heaven before we can see him face to face. But we do not have to wait till we get to heaven to fellowship with our heavenly father. Isaiah 49, can a woman forget her nursing child and not have compassion on the son of her womb? Surely they may forget, yet I will not forget you. See, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. Psalm 139, 17 and 18. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I'm still with you. 
First Peter one and two. I'm sorry. First Peter chapter one verse twelve. It talks about the gospel and what what Father God has done for us and the heart that He has for us. And the Bible says that it's things angels long to look into. Things that angels long to look into. Have you ever had a friend who was in love with somebody and you didn't get it? It's like, I don't see what she sees in him, or I don't see what he sees in her. Maybe somebody's really close to you and you kind of maybe feel a little protective of them and you're like, man, I just don't understand her, you know, being so... Well, it's kind of that thing with the angels. The angels are like, they scratch their heads, right? It's like, what is it about them, about you and me, that has Father's heart so captured? Amen. Well, our key verses for this study, and we've, we've got um, three different openings. The first one is in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. I want to just keep sowing that verse into your heart. I want to encourage you tonight, you know, unless you have some other routine that trumps this one, you know, when you finally lay your head down on a pillow tonight, I want you to go to sleep meditating on this verse right here. That Father's desire for you, His ultimate longing for you, is to enjoy the same fellowship with Him that Jesus enjoys. God is faithful. God is faithful by whom you were called. You've been called. You've been summonsed. And you've been summonsed into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Then the next opening is in 1 John chapter 1 and verse, verses 1 through 7. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life, the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. This is the message that we have heard from Him and declare to you that God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. <clears throat> we see a very important truth here as it relates to our fellowship with God. And we mentioned this last week, I'm going to mention it again tonight, and we're going to mention it many more times in the days ahead. There is a difference between being his son or daughter by new birth and gift of grace and experiencing and enjoying fellowship with him. See, if we choose to walk in darkness, we are separating ourselves or when I say separating ourselves, we're hindering our ability to have fellowship with Him. In the, in the same way, you know, somebody that you really love and that you're really close to, there are things that you can do that will irritate that person. Come on now. There are things that you can do, let's say it this way, that, that will take away from or make it very difficult for them to enjoy fellowship with you. Are you still with me tonight? Amen. So we get so caught up in heaven or hell, 
can you do this and still go to heaven? If you do this, will you go to hell? And we, and we, we try to make the whole you know, concept of salvation, and I think we make that mistake because at least that's how it was presented to a lot of us, right? You know, don't you want to come and get Jesus to forgive you from your sins so you won't go to hell? And so we, we come to him because we, we, we do want to be saved, we do want to be forgiven, but we really don't want to go to hell. And what we see, of course, in Scripture is that your salvation is not just about getting you into heaven, but it's about getting heaven into you so God can then work through you in the earth. His will be done, His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And all that we see, our um, propitiation, Jesus taking the blame and punishment for our wrong, our redemption, Him paying the penalty for our sin, our justification being declared right and made right before God in the eyes of God, our reconciliation being restored into oneness with Him, all of these aspects and elements of our salvation are a means to the end of fellowship. If we don't have any of those things, no justification, if we're not right before God in the eyes of God, if we've not been restored into oneness with God, if, if you know, born of His Spirit, born of His seed, born from above, without any of those things, fellowship with God is impossible. He explains it to us in the Scripture. We were darkness, Ephesians 5 eight. We weren't just in darkness. There's a difference between being darkness being darkness and doing things that are dark amen remember what we see in romans so many times we we think of sin as a verb and not a noun so many times when he's talking about him taking away your sin he's not talking about the act that you committed he's talking about the sin that we were we were sons of disobedience we were the children of wrath we were the offspring of of sin and so i am by nature the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am no longer by nature a sinner. I may occasionally do things that I shouldn't do and thank God as Brother Donald did today when he preached his brother's funeral, masterful job of, of laying all that out. I almost wish that we'd recorded it, Brother. I mean, that's how great of a job you did with explaining all that and, and helping hopefully a lot of people that were present understand, you know, the difference between somebody who does something wrong versus somebody who's a child of God and d dwells in Father's house forever. Amen. So in the same way that our right standing with God is not based upon our works, but our rewards are. Are you following what I'm saying here? When we say our right standing with God has been secured by the blood of Jesus, Thank God for that. Then a lot of people think, well, okay, well, then it doesn't matter what I do. No, no, you will be rewarded one day based upon what you did. So what you do is still important. It's just we're not, we're not serving now to be accepted. We're serving because we are accepted. There's a big difference that I did not understand in the early years of my trying to walk with the Lord. I thought my relationship with Him was dependent upon my performance. My, my service, my works, my obedience. No, none of that. My salvation is based upon His love for me, His commitment to me, what He's done for me. But if I want to walk, as, 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 the, as they were singing tonight, Lord, draw me closer. If I want to walk close with the Lord, are you following what I'm saying? Then there are things that He doesn't enjoy. 
that he doesn't want to be a part of. There are attitudes that I can have in my heart. There are things that I can participate in that are of this world that will hinder and affect my fellowship with him just like there are things that I could do that would hinder and affect my fellowship with Pam or my fellowship with any of you or my fellowship with my earthly father. Are you seeing this? And that's, and that's what he's saying here. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, remember what we see in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now that you are no longer darkness and have been made light in the Lord, what does he say? Now go walk in the light. Go walk in the light. When we were darkness... Didn't matter how hard we tried to do good and be good, we were still darkness. He made us light, and because He made us light, we have the wherewithal to walk in the light, and as we walk in the light because He made us light, fellowship with God. Are you seeing this? So even Him taking you from darkness, He didn't just take you out of darkness, He did do that, but he, he, you were darkness, now you're light in the Lord. Even that was necessary for us to have fellowship with Him. It's not just you being made light for light's sake. God can't fellowship with someone who is darkness. Praise God. So if we say we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we said that a yoke represents the common union of fellowship. And this, this is our third key opening. So we've got um, 1 Corinthians 1, 1 John 1, and then 2 Corinthians 6 and 14, where he says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Then he goes into specific explanation what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness lawlessness what communion has light with darkness what accord has Christ with Belial or what part has a believer with an unbeliever and what agreement has the temple of God with idols for you are the temple of the living God as God has said I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people amen now I want us, we got a, can you, a few more minutes. Can you hang in here just a few more minutes? Praise God. Um, I know this is, you know, I, I, can, I can sometimes sense when, you know, we, we talk about something that maybe people listening are a little unsure about and a little uncertain of and, and, if you're like me, you know, anyway, years ago, I would tell anybody who asked that I had a personal relationship with Jesus. And in those days of my growth and development, um, th that was what I understood to be the gold standard of living the Christian life. Having struggled with a religious spirit in my teenage years. And if you don't know what that means, 
you know, it's, it's back to what we were saying earlier, you know, where you think your right standing with God is based upon your performance. And there were a lot of things that I did during those days that I benefit from now. But like here, here's one example. If, if I had a girlfriend, I would log how much time I spent on the phone with her to make sure that I didn't talk more to her than I spent time in prayer and the Word. And you say, well, Pastor Mark, what's wrong with that? Nothing's wrong with that if your heart's right. But if your heart's not right, then anything you can do can, are you following what I'm saying? In other words, I, I, it was this attitude that because I did that, I was more spiritual than everybody else. Are you, you see what I'm saying? It, it wasn't an act of humility like I thought it was. It was an act of pride. Are you, are you still with me? Like there, there was a time that I was going to memorize the book of John, which is a good thing, except for I want everybody to know that I could quote the first four chapters of John. See, are you, are you amen, religious spirit. Y'all quiet on me now, okay. Um, and so this idea of a personal relationship, it, it sounds, on the surface, it sounds so good, but that's not what we've been called to. And what we see in the passage in 1 Corinthians 1 and 1 John 1 that we've looked at is that fellowship with God is different from relationship with God. And that the fellowship is not personal, but it's mutual. And a mindset of personal relationship is holding the body of Christ back from what God truly desires to have with us, okay? And, and that in and of itself is bad enough, but we are also seeing in Scripture that there are certain things that can only be accomplished in our lives through fellowship with God. You can only grow so far in the things of God without personal fellowship, I'm sorry, without mutual fellowship with Him. Are you following what I'm saying here? That there are things that you will never know, that you will never understand, that your eyes will never be open to, that you will never experience, that you'll never get past, apart from hanging out with Him. I mentioned it, I think, last week, a week before last. Uh, Joel has been speaking to our young adults on Monday night about their inner circle, about the people that are closest to them. And, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about that. A lot to say about that. And, and who you choose to spend your time with and who you choose to, to be, you know, that group of people is going to have a lot to do with where you wind up in life even. And I'm not here to try to reshare everything he's been sharing. But it's, the, it's a fellowship principle, Joel. I mean, it's, it's exactly what it is. Um, the Bible says that if you want to be wise, hang out with wise people, right? But if you want to be a fool, hang around fools. And, and, you know, it's like, well, you know, it's because that sort of stuff rubs off on you. Exactly. Exactly. Right? 
Evil communication, which basically means hanging, hanging around with bad people, the Bible says corrupts good morals. It's because the people you, you fellowship with, right, you become like. Again, we say it by rubbing off on. They rub off on you. Those people are rubbing off on you. Especially when we're younger, but it, it's, it's not even just when we're younger. You know, we pick up little sayings. That people that we hang around say certain things, certain ways, and certain mannerisms, and, and all of these things. Well, if, if, if fellowshipping with other people can affect us like that, how much more, how much more our fellowshipping with our Heavenly Father? So, I'm not going to go back through all those things, but As it relates to fellowship, let Father, let Father set the terms. You understand what I mean by that? Let, let, him, let him call the shots. He, he has not invited you into any kind of relationship with him that you choose. And I think a lot of people make that mistake. And, and they have this, this wrong idea. It's one of the reasons why the devil wants you to have feelings of condemnation and, and um, worthlessness, unworthy, all these other things, because those things are counterproductive to fellowship with God. When, when we have an issue with another person, when we've done something to wrong another person or, or, or there's some problem, the scriptures are very clear about it. We need to go to that person and make it right. But there's a tendency to avoid that person, right? When, when there's some type of friction or some type of disagreement or, or some type of bad feelings, then that, that in and of itself becomes a wedge, if we allow it to, to, to push us away from that person rather than to get it right and, and, and fellowship with him. I know some people who understand, and this I'll finish here, some people who, who understand what the Bible teaches, that, for instance, our sin has been completely taken away from us, not just covered over, not just forgiven, all sin, one sacrifice for all sin for all time. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. He no longer keeps a record, no longer keeps an account of our sin. He has, he has made it, I mean, we can just go on and on and on, things that we've talked about around here for, for years. And so the question then becomes, okay, well then what about 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, where the Bible says that if we commit sin, we need to confess it to God because He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Right? What if we were to look at that verse not from the perspective of heaven or hell, but from the perspective of fellowship? There's a big difference there, right? It's like, well, you know, if, if, if you commit a sin, and, and, uh, and I don't know, I used to try to scare us in, in Sunday school when we were younger, you know, it's like, you know, you, you're speeding and you have a wreck and you die, you're going to hell because you were breaking the laws of men, and if you break the laws of men, you've sinned against God, and if you sin against God and you die, you're going you know, all this stuff, and I was like, okay, I'll drive the speed limit, you know, back off or whatever, you know, and because, um, you know, you, if you're dead, you can't confess the sin, 
see again, that's a, that's a broken, it's trying to look at everything from the perspective of heaven or hell. What, what, if, what if instead, you know, if, if I do something to wrong Pam, that doesn't mean we're divorced. But if I ask her to forgive me, are you understand what I'm saying? The forgiveness is, is not about the covenant, it's about the fellowship that the covenant creates. Are y'all seeing this? Oh, I want you to see this so much. Man, you say, well, why, why would God lavish all this grace upon me? Because he wants fellowship with you. Why would he take my, my sin away from me? If, if, if what you're telling me is true, I'm not, it's not what I'm telling you, it's what the Word of God is telling you. If he no longer keeps a record of my sin, why would God do such a thing like that? Because he never wanted your sin to separate you from him ever again. Reconciliation is about restored oneness with God. But that just creates the opportunity, it creates the platform, it creates an open door for you to have fellowship with Him. And if we go off and cut a fool and commit a sin, you know, last thing in the world we want to do is the first thing we need to do. Stop right where we are, humble ourselves, ask Him to forgive us. Yeah, because you don't want that pile up, it'll send you to hell. No, it'll hinder your fellowship. It'll hinder your fellowship. All right, stand with me tonight, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I, I don't know how many of you read C.S. Lewis. To be honest with you, I would rather listen to C.S. Lewis' book, audiobook, than read. And I, that's just my personal taste, okay? But his um, autobiography is called Surprised by Joy. If you've ever listened to that, it's basically his life story. And, and, and um, again, atheists, no God, and of course, born again and became one of the great theologians um, of what, the 20th century. Um, but that was the thing for him. What surprised him about God was the joy, the joy that God brought into his life. It, it snuck up on him. Amen. Amen. And to understand, see what's David saying? What, what about little old me that interests you? See, we, we got to lose that. Amen. I talked about the letter that the young lady wrote, Bethany. Man, how would you like to read some of the things that God has written about you? Here it is. Amen. Here it is. This, is. this is His love letter to you. This is His heart for you. Amen. Father, thank you for this time together this evening. Thank you for your great love for us. Father, help us to understand, Father, you know, all these arguments and can we do this and still go to heaven? And can we do this and not go to hell? Father, help us understand it's not, it's, it's not about that. It's about, is this something that's pleasing to you or displeasing to you? Is this something that you enjoy doing with us? Or is this something that is offensive to you that, that, that you are not interested in, in participating in with us? Something that would hinder our fellowship with you, that would hinder that closeness, Father, that, that you long to have with us and that ultimately, Father, we we long to have with you. 
very difficult for us to be equally yoked together with Jesus when we're insisting on going off and doing things, Father, that Jesus has no interest in participating in. So, Father, this is such an important subject, and it's one that's so near and dear, Father, to your heart that, that we're approaching with a sense of awe and, and a sense of reverence. Father, one that, that, that basically is saying, hey, we, we, we want to get this right. We want to understand this. We want the right perspective on this. And then, Lord, our response is to participate in the fellowship with you that you desire to have with us, the same fellowship, the same access, the same opportunities, the same inheritance that's been offered to Jesus, your son. Father, thank you again for your love for us. Thank you, Father, for the rest of the week ahead. Lord, may we shine before men as they see our good works and glorify you in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you for good things. If you're watching online, the camera angle's a little different. We had a camera issue. We had to set one up in the aisle here, but hopefully all that came through well. You have a great rest of your week. I'll see you Sunday, if not before.